part three of what I now believe will be a five-part mini-series on polyvagal theory and trauma-informed fitness, is where you have landed on the Kick-Ass Life Project podcast. Hello, lovely listener. I am Kate, your Kick-Ass Life Enabler, and if you are here, please make sure you've listened to part one and part two, or this episode will probably just confuse and frustrate you. If you are polyvagal informed, you can probably get away with skipping part one. But on the other hand, I know I rarely get tired of listening to people talk about polyvagal theory, so you might get some new perspective on it, even if you're a pro already. I'm not going to go over the terminology again in this episode, but I am going to start with a bit of a recap around how to recognize which state you are in. Plus, please, whatever you do, Do not use these podcasts as a replacement for therapy or take anything I say as therapeutic advice. Use this stuff as a jumping off point for conversations with your own therapist or as part of your own journey to explore and understand. This podcast is currently listened to by tens of people, honestly, and I can't possibly know all of them, right? But one day it might be hundreds or even thousands Insert shameless, please share if you are enjoying this podcast. (laughs) The point is, every person has an individual physiology background toolkit, so it it really would be silly for me to assume I can make a one-size-fits-all podcast. Do what is best for you. Reach out to medical professional or hotlines or a good friend if you need extra support. Okay, moving on. By now, you know the three states of your nervous system, according to polyvagal theory, but I'm not sure I've really defined some of the ways to identify each one. So dorsal vagal, in its most highly activated phase, presents as freeze or shutdown. But we're obviously not always completely frozen or shut down, so there are some other signs of being in a mostly dorsal vagal state, things like spacing out feeling numb, disconnected, foggy, having thoughts around the idea that the world is a lonely place or I'm alone, I'm too tired, what's the point? Overwhelm that says, I can only do one thing at a time, I just can't even look at the rest. In a fitness-specific space, it might be things like starting your weight routine but the time in between your sets keeps getting longer and you just end up scrolling Instagram for new, less, I'm using air quotes, less boring exercises, because that's the problem. Or feeling extreme lack of motivation to break a sweat even after you're warmed up. Or finding yourself zoning out from what the instructor is saying, if you were, say, in a group setting. I'm going to save ventral vagal details for the next episode, but in a very general way, Ventral vagal presents as feeling connected to your body, to the movement, being curious about what you can do that day. In ventral vagal, the world isn't perfect, but we can deal with it. And that is foreshadowing about a thing called window of tolerance, which is a teaser for the next episode. Okay, now I know I skipped the sympathetic state, but I wanted to leave it for the last in this little piece because this episode is all about working out from a sympathetic lens. Sympathetic, in its most highly activated phase, presents as flight or fight. But other signs of you might be hanging out in a sympathetic state include physical aggression, posturing, yelling, swearing. These are all fight-type 
things, right? And what's important to note from a fitness perspective is these are moving toward things, moving toward. And then running away, refusing to talk, avoidance, even substance use, these are flight symptoms. These are things that from a fitness perspective are moving away. Now, both might feel chaotic, angry, frustrated, overwhelmed, like in a juggling act kind of way with lots of multitasking. The thoughts from a sympathetic standpoint are going to be things like, I'm going crazy. The world is a scary place. There's just too much. Damn it. I can't believe this is happening. In a fitness arena, maybe it shows up as doing lots of cardio-based things, like lots of time spent on the treadmill or jogging outside, running outside, or spin classes, or boot camps. But doing lots of them in like an agitated, I need to do this or the world will implode way. And, and if one workout a day is good, why not two? <laughs> or maybe it's showing up in ways like punishing our body with a workout or pushing to the point of exhaustion every time and never having time for stretching other than just the basics. Now, are you recognizing yourself in any of these, dorsal or the sympathetic? If you are, I will again emphasize that you are always doing your best. So there is no need to blame yourself or anyone else, which is something we get pulled into when we are pulled into a sympathetic state, the blaming someone or ourselves or someone else. And I can prove to you that you are doing the best you can and always have been. So give me anything, anything from your past workout history that you are now looking back on with a cringe or a what was I thinking or, oh my God, I've been screwing myself up for years. First, congratulations on being alive and being alive and open to learning new things. Has your interest been piqued by some of the things I've been saying? Are you wanting to do things differently and are curious about how? Um, curiosity, you know that is a glimmer of ventral vagal, right? Curiosity, engagement, learning, equal, ventral. But the fitness world, and especially perceptions of the purpose of fitness, like fitness as a vehicle for changing our body so it looks acceptable according to our social conditioning, these types of things have probably made working out almost an unsafe space just in itself. So when I give you a way to hold compassion for yourself around your fitness choices, when I'm talking about all this polyvagal stuff, it can feel wrong. <laughs> it can make it feel unsafe for fitness to be a compassionate, okay, accepting place, right? So a common reaction to feeling unsafe is to drop down into sympathetic. And sympathetic is where we tend to be critical and self-judging. So then we feel safe in that space, right? Like there, fitness thoughts are supposed to feel critical and self-judgment, right? That was sarcasm, by the way. So I'm going to say again, like, first of all, if you found yourself doing things like that, that like, that's just so normal, right? Like I'm starting to give myself compassion around my fitness and then instantly I go into self-blame because we're moving into sympathetic. So I hope that made sense. Anyway, I am going to say this part again. Congratulations for being here, being alive, being alive and being open to learning new things. 
Welcome to a ventral vagal fitness space. Secondly, let me ask you this one question, which I actually heard on one of my favorite polyvagal podcasts, which I have linked below into the show notes. It's called Stuck, Not Broken. If you could do the thing, whatever the thing is that you're thinking, I didn't do my best. If you could do it differently now, would you? Now, if your answer is no, then I can only assume you're not having any thoughts that I could have done better around that thing. But if your answer is yes, yes, I would go back and I would change it. I should have done it this way. Tell me what you would change about the environment or about yourself so that you did do it differently. Sometimes I hear people say, I'd have more willpower. Okay, so what I'm hearing you say is that you didn't have the willpower you needed in that moment. Sometimes I'll hear people say, well, I'd I'd choose a different fitness class. Okay, so what I'm hearing there is you didn't have the benefit of hindsight in that moment. Or I might hear people say, oh, I'd just dig deeper and push through that extra set. Okay, what I'm hearing is you didn't feel safe enough to push your limits that far yet or in that moment. There's always something that you are going to tell me was missing, whether it's knowledge, preparedness, energy, motivation, support. The list is endless. But if something was missing, you have just proved you could not have done it differently in that moment with the resources available to you at the time. So you did your best. You are doing your best. You will continue to do your best. Acknowledge the self-criticism as a sympathetic defense and practice exploring your fitness through self-compassion. Self-compassion, by the way, is the antidote to self-judgment, which is something we go a little deeper into in my body confidence course. Another shameless plug, and I will put a link in the show notes. Anyway, polyvagal theory really kind of gives you a scientific reason for feeling the way you do and then moving your body in a way that tries to resolve whatever it thinks needs to be resolved. From a fitness perspective, all movement is the creation and then resolution of tension or stress, which kind of leads nicely into something I said I'd talk about in the last episode, which is how to resolve the sympathetic energy in a way that doesn't automatically drop you back down into dorsal. So I'm, I'm going to just say this one phrase right now, Um, or one thing right now, it's actually not in my notes, but I'm realizing I forgot to put it in my notes, so I want to say it now, is that there is a flaw with this idea of getting comfortable with discomfort. Because comfort implies not, comfort implies inaction. Comfort implies living with it. And, And discomfort is there for a reason. Discomfort is there to motivate you to change. Change is going to happen. Change is going to be good. But discomfort is supposed to help move you into wanting to change. So getting comfortable with discomfort, not a great idea. Giving discomfort a job is how we want to start looking at this. So I'm going to come back to that theme in a different episode, but I wanted to just put that out there, that really the idea is to give discomfort a job. So first, um, wait a minute, where did I get to? Right, the sympathetic energy 
not dropping you back down into dorsal if that's where you came from or something. So first, let's look at a list of movements that will help you come alongside your body in a sympathetic state. Because you remember in the last episode, we talked about meeting your body where it's at before trying to change it. Things like higher tension, higher resistance, higher intensity in general, whole body coordination, so balance or doing like doing a squat and a lunge combo together or something, or squat and shoulder press thing together or something. Changing elevations is a sympathetic type movement. Unpredictability is also going to match a sympathetic energy. Now, in sympathetic, there is also, within sympathetic, we have fight and we have flight, right? So meeting ourselves where we're at might kind of depend if we're able to differentiate, are we more in a fight state or are we more in a flight state? And you might not know that, and that's okay. But, but from the movement perspective, if we're in a fight state, that's the moving toward energy. So we're going to lead with our front. Flight state is more backward energy, moving away from in a practical fitness way that might look like so all the things i just said not just the moving toward or forward but how we can come up alongside our body in a sympathetic state might be something like medicine ball slams doing quick switches from one exercise to the other step ups there's your elevation change doing less reps with a bigger weight doing those compound movements that involve more than one body part so the research through um, the research through the Center for Embodiment and Trauma, I think that's what it's called, <laughs> has found that back squats can actually be controversial to our nervous system. Now, my interpretation is from a polyvagal lens is is with a back squat. So this is the barbell across your your top of your shoulders, and you're doing squats. There is an elevation change in a way there, right? Like the moving from down to up kind of thing. And there, there's usually a fairly big intensity to it. But there's also a huge grounding force with the weight on our back. So for some, the effort that's required and that elevation movement can feel good, but the weight feels like it's holding more of a dorsal feel. And for somebody in a sympathetic state, that could be triggering. But for others, maybe in a dorsal state, the feeling of being grounded with that weight is comforting. From a trauma perspective, hip extension, which is what happens in the, as we stand up from the bottom of a squat, hip extension can be triggering. Now, all of this is to say, once again, there is no one size fits all. There's no right or wrong. I've given you some suggestions, but your body is going to be unique. What were the exercises that you came up with that would feel good for you from a sympathetic state. Remember in like the first F, first part one of this, I was saying, what do you think the exercises you imagine would feel good for you if you were coming from a sympathetic state? What were those? When you look at that list that you made before listening to all this, does it make sense for you in a different way? See, you now have the amazing gift of being able to understand where your body's coming from and communicate differently instead of just getting annoyed with yourself for being different or reacting, I'm using quotes, weirdly to certain things. If we look at your fitness habits through a polyvagal lens, I'm really sorry to tell you, but you're normal. Behavior is communication of the nervous system and what state we are in. 
though a challenging behavior or pattern that you see is simply a solution to a problem that you might not see or might not want to see. Unsolved problems, unmet needs, not enough skills, fitness and eating habits even. Um, Well, the fitness and eating habits could be behaviors or patterns that you are seeing because they are a solution to a problem. With dorsal, uh, the dorsal vagal chat yesterday, we talked about titrating, which means little bits at a time. Titrating, adding in more energy after coming alongside with holding poses. That might be as simple as sideways movement to a plank with some hip drops or actual plank walking sideways or even turning in a circle while in a plank. It might mean adding in some elevation change with push-ups. If that feels unsafe when we add in that sympathetic energy, we will drop back into dorsal. In sympathetic, if we're trying to change our nervous system state, and I want to clarify, it's not my job or any trainer's job to decide that that is what you should do. Our job is to help you expand your window of tolerance. Again, a teaser for an upcoming episode, but basically, It's your choice. If you wanted to move from a sympathetic state to a more still place, it might look like meeting yourself where you're at and adding some pauses. For example, adding a different rhythm to a push-up. Instead of just up-down, adding a halfway hold or a hold at the bottom for just a second. If we move into a fight energy, or sorry, if we feel like we're more in a fight energy, We could try using some backward movement like reverse lunges, which would be a little bit of a switch in energy and a little bit upward, I think, because as I understand it, flight energy is slightly closer to ventral vagal than fight energy is. If I'm wrong about that, someone please let me know. Regardless, at the very least, it's going to be a lateral shift in energy, but it's still a shift in energy. Or maybe there was a trauma we experienced where our reaction was flight and we want to feel more of the fight type energy. We could focus on moving toward exercises like a sled push. We'd still be in sympathetic, but we've practiced changing the energy a little bit. Ideally, again, we are going to do this in a safe way that allows pleasure to be part of the equation and therefore it will become more ventral vagal based. But if our nervous system feels unsafe with it, again, it's just going to drop farther down the ladder. And we talked, I think last time I mentioned that very common loop of dorsal to sympathetic back to dorsal. So practicing shifting the energy is good. Titration is one of the keys. Titration meaning small steps, short segments of time in a different state. Trying to stay within a frame that allows you enough prefrontal cortex access to notice what you are feeling because noticing and naming is a great taming tool. So, oh, I notice when my heart starts beating harder, it makes me feel nervous. Or I noticed that when I did that farmer walk with those big weights, I felt bogged down and I got agitated. So that's noticing and naming, right? Now, when we start to feel unsafe, if we notice that, actively looking for cues of safety will also help us. We are all, so really kind of what would happen there is we would be dropping down the ladder, noticing that that's happening, 
and again, not dropping so fast or so hard that we can't still have access to our prefrontal cortex. So we're able to notice it, we're able to name it, and then while we're in that state, we find a cue of safety, and that starts to associate this state. Maybe it's okay. Maybe there can be some ventral mixed in with this state, right? So how do we find those cues of safety? We are really, are, we are default wired to sense cues of danger. We don't have to look around for those. That, that is our default. When we teach ourselves to push the boundaries just enough that we feel that discomfort and not distress, discomfort that I talked about before, we can hold on to that prefrontal cortex access, notice name, look for safety cues. So the danger cues that we are so programmed to see already that will drop us down the ladder. In a fitnessy type sense, it might be things like the weights, the sounds of weights dropping or clanking. It could be words from music or the beat or tone of music. Music is huge in helping us move around the ladder. The proximity or closeness of others being looked at. So this comes into this perception of or actual judgment in a gym type fitness setting. That can be really triggering. Judgment's a huge thing, whether it's others or ourselves. <laughs> if our heart rate's going up or our breathing's going up, that that can be a cue of danger. The tactile sensations or pressure of weight, we kind of talked about that, that can be a cue of danger to us. Having our eyes closed or stillness can be cues of danger. Focusing on a specific body part, so again, thinking about hip extensions, sometimes that could be a trigger. Restrictive diets. I know that's not necessarily in a fitness type sense, but it's adjacent. Um, not having enough calories that can be a cue of danger to your body. And if you're already sort of in that, I'm not getting enough calories restrictive state, then that can make the other cue, cues of danger just sort of compound everything. Okay, safety cues. How, like, okay, so I've given you the danger things and you're, you're noticing and naming. How do I find those safety cues? They're going to help me maintain where I am at least or maybe even bring me back up the ladder. I don't think I've given you this term yet, prosity. This is sort of the intonation of a voice. Obviously, this sort of implies there's somebody else with you, somebody that's using a friendly voice. But if not, I mean, maybe you can listen to hear if you can hear one. Maybe there's an instructor somewhere that's leading a fitness class and there's prosody in their voice. Or maybe music. Again, music can be huge. Um, intonational music or just steady pace music. What music makes you feel good? And use that. Again, co-regulation with other people is massive in safety cue world. So safe eye contact with somebody or safe touch, safe words even. If you do not have access to a gym buddy or a trainer that you're doing these things with, Maybe even a pet that can come into it. Say you're doing home workouts, but there's always self-soothing too. So teaching yourself what breathing techniques work for you, what grounding techniques, self-touch, meaning like you could have a hand on your chest, a hand on your forehead, just that apparently can simulate a hug to your nervous system. Pulse, finding your pulse. Be careful with this one. If your heart's racing, maybe feeling your pulse doesn't 
feel safe. But what about finding your pulse and in many gyms there is a clock on the wall with a second hand. So what if you found that second hand and just follow the beat of that second hand while feeling that connection to your body, feeling your pulse, feeling it slow down. Now, autonomy is a huge thing in fitness as far as a safety cue. So trying to use some language around the idea of, I don't have to do this, I'm choosing to do this. So just bringing that awareness in. Boundaries. So scaffolding, which is terms I'll get into in the next episode, but but even just leaning against a wall, right? Like that could be a cue of safety for you. Now, I'm also going to, this is, so curiosity. Curiosity gives you a cue of safety. So you could look around the room and go, how many weights are out of the weight rack right now? How many are out in use right now? That could be something you you notice and start counting or something. So that's the mindfulness thing, right? But also curiosity. But this is where, your clothing, to me, can actually make a difference. So curiosity, if you wear patterned clothing, it's really easy to look at the patterns and start counting things or looking at the colors. And and even that, even if it's not patterned, just warm, safe, ventral colored clothing. Because again, when we start to shut down, we look down. And if we have on clothing or something that either gives us like something to look at and be curious about, or just greets us with a nice, friendly color. Something as simple as that can help. Is all this stuff making sense? Am I expressing myself in cohesive ways without fire hosing the info at you? How is all of this changing your view of fitness? What ways can you incorporate some of this into your physical activities? If you want to connect with me on the socials, tell me about your insights. I am fascinated. Trust me. I, I really want to know if you're as excited about this stuff as I am. And if I'm giving you information that you are feeling like, oh, this kind of changes how I look at it. And oh, I want to try that in my fitness routine or something. Over and over, I must say how unbelievably grateful I am that you are listening. And as always, Let me remind you that no matter what is going on in your world, you're still on. Keep riding.